Hello, folks. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to say that uh, there was a, it's been a kind of a tragic rough day here in Louisville, Kentucky. Maybe if you've seen it on the national news on April 10th, Monday, April 10th, uh, there was a mass shooting in downtown Louisville at a bank. And uh, at least five people at this point have lost their lives. And uh, there's still some that are hospitalized from it. And uh, just a really tragic day. And then, uh, like, literally not long after that, uh, someone else lost their life, uh, their life in a in a shooting just a couple of blocks away from that, in a totally separate event. So it's been a, a a really bad day here in Louisville, Kentucky, and I just wanted to extend uh, my thoughts and prayers to those that uh, lost their lives and uh, the loved one and their loved ones in this uh, tragic event, and anybody that had to go through it and survive through it, I'm sure, was uh, still a traumatic, a very traumatic experience, and. Uh, just um, just a really rough day here in Louisville, Kentucky, and I just felt like I needed to say something, uh, particularly because I didn't want the what I talk about at the end of this episode uh, to sound insensitive because it was recorded prior to that was recorded prior to the events that happened today. So, uh, but thoughts and prayers to all those people and for the people that are still in the hospital uh, trying to recover from this uh, tragic event. So, uh, with uh, all that said, uh, we'll get to the episode. from the gutter man cave here in a uh, spring is sprung sort of louisville kentucky we're getting some nice weather here and it's awesome and i'm i'm here tonight because uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of going old school negative pauses where i just uh, i had uh, you know something that kind of happened i was like you know what i want to make a little episode about this uh kind of like i did back in the old days like a little solo show of me just uh I don't know, waxing poetic of uh, something that I just discovered that might be of help for you fine people. But before I get to that and the reason for doing this episode, I kind of wanted to uh, uh, address the uh, the Pentax thing. You know, uh, I've long been an ambassador of Pentax as the working man's camera. And <laughs> I think maybe we've mentioned, uh, kind of half-assed mentioned, you know, the, the announcement Pentax made several months ago about them trying to do a, uh, uh, bring out film cameras again. And I haven't really made my official statement, right? So I feel like I needed to get that out there because I have long been an ambassador uh, of Pentax as the working man's camera. Well, uh, obviously I was super excited by this announcement and I've often thought that maybe Pentax would be the company that if any company would do it, it would be them because as far as digital SLRs or digital cameras, Pentax has been uh, getting further and further behind, I think. Uh, I mean, they're like the last companies that's still championing and still trying to come out with digital SLRs, whereas everyone else seems to be moving to mirrorless. 
uh, where Pentax is, seems to be stuck in the digital SLR thing, which I think, you know, I, I know there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a niche market for that, and there's still people that prefer that, but let's face it, as far as the digital camera realm goes, uh, it's mirrorless is where is the future, right? And or it's actually the present and and the future. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that maybe Pentax is thinking of a way to uh, uh, I don't know still uh, manufacture cameras. Now Ricoh bought Pentax several years ago, and I have long uh, many times said that I haven't been too happy with the Ricoh ownership of Pentax because I did buy a Pentax digital SLR several years ago and maybe got five or 600 actuations out of it before the, uh, what's called the, uh, I think it's called the, uh, I can't, aperture block uh, died on it. And so basically the camera is kind of a paperweight now and I'm really mad about it. And so I wasn't happy uh, with Ricoh and their ownership of Pentax, not only for putting out a faulty product, but doing it over several models of digital SLRs that Pentax released in the last uh, decade or so and then also refusing to fix the problem or have a recall on the problem and make make it right with the customers that bought these cameras that definitely got way less life out of these things than they should have now whether they've rectified that i don't know i haven't kept up with it but they did not rectify my camera and they have not rectified the camera of thousands and thousands of other people that bought these digital slrs that had this uh faulty what's called aperture block which ends up causing um issues with the exposure like uh it just uh it's yeah it's, it's an issue and uh it was definitely a design flaw and they did not fix it as they should have and which is surprising because you know usually uh it seems that uh most of the camera companies have um seem to be you know a little more i don't know maybe loyal to taking care of their customers but uh, not particularly the situation uh, as people even try to do like a class action lawsuit about it and nothing really came of it it should have been recalled these cameras should have been fixed i should have gotten way more than 500 actuations or whatever it was out of my pentax digital slr before it died and now i have a paperweight that looks nice because uh, it's hardly been used and doesn't work properly <laughs> And I can't do anything about it. So uh, so I, I guess I could get it repaired. But the cost, I think I only spent like 500 bucks on this digital SLR. It was like one of the entry level. I think it was a K, K70, I think. I don't know. I can't remember the digital camera monikers or whatever. But what has gotten me uh, excited and maybe not hating on Rico Pentax as much is this announcement of possibly uh, the design and manufacture of some new film cameras going forward uh now i think the most exciting thing about it was the uh the video that they released and i'm not sure who the the gentleman was that was speaking for pentax in these videos uh, he was some, some big wig of some sort i'm guessing i can't can't remember his name or what his actual title was but the thing i noticed is the man was wearing a denim shirt right and that's a working man shirt so uh so uh, it just further affirms, folks, that Pentax is the working man's camera. And uh, I mean, the, this guy talking about making us new film cameras, wearing a denim shirt. I don't get much more blue collar than that, right? A denim shirt definitely has a blue collar. So working man's camera. But uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Apparently, the first thing is going to be some sort of compact camera, which makes sense because that is a hot market and probably easier to manufacture. But let's face it, Pentax is still making digital SLRs. 
and it doesn't seem like it would be that far-fetched for them to come out with a you know plastic fantastic uh slr film camera uh, it's just a matter of, uh, I mean, the shutters are there, right? You just got to make uh, a new film, uh, like a, a new door for the, uh, like a, a transport system for the film. Doesn't seem like that's far, that's that far fetched for them to, to pull off an SLR. And I, I did see a video from a YouTuber saying like, uh, you know, don't concentrate on SLRs. There's plenty of those out there, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, definitely focus on the compacts. That's the hot market. And I, I do agree that, you know, compacts should be the first, the first thing they do. But to say that they should not try to put out a film SLR, that that's a wasted effort or an effort in vain, I think is incorrect thinking because if they can put out this thing and it's like, a, a, like has the technology of even just the, which has the technology of like digital SLRs today or, or even just the technology of the 90s whiz bang plastic fantastic SLRs of, you know, of, of the 90s. Um, I think we, we're, we're going to get a, a, a really capable camera and we can't just count on a lot of people like myself love these 90s plastic fantastic whiz bang slrs but they are electronic and they fail and when they fail they're not worth fixing they're not repairable or it would be too costly to repair we can't expect these things to last forever so if we can get pentax to put out a new plastic fantastic 90s style slr but even with the more you know with the you know, technology's come a long way since then with even better technology man that i think that's a that's there's a market for that and i think we we need to realize that slrs i mean yes mechanical slrs the metal body ones they can probably be fixed and and work for another 50 years that's that's great but as far as the advanced with a lot of electronics and a lot of options and features those type SLRs from the 90s, when they fell, we, they were, you know, they're gone. Like we, we, so anything that can replace those would make me very happy. So I don't think uh, Pentax uh, developing a film SLR in the future is something in vain or something that we should not, uh, or something that we should discourage them from doing. I think it's that we should definitely be encouraging that. So, um, all right. Well, I just want, I, I, I realized that I'd never really gotten my thoughts out about this big Pentax announcement. The dude was wearing a denim shirt, fellas and, and ladies and gentlemen. The dude was wearing a, a denim shirt. He's a working man. It's a working man's camera system. And uh, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing what they put out and uh, and what kind of price point it's going to be. All these things are to be to be determined. But man, it is it, it is exciting. And I needed to get my uh, my thoughts out on that. So, uh, But I'm going to take a, a little break here and recompose myself and <laughs> and talk about the reason I decided to put this this podcast up. I'm going to try to make this like a 15-minute episode, like the uh, the old school Negative Positives podcast so when I was doing this stuff uh, on my phone uh, late at night uh, after band practices and such. So uh, we'll take us a little break and I'll get to one more subject. So uh, uh, we'll be right back, folks. folks i'm back from the break and uh the, the main reason i wanted to put out this episode is i've been going through like a lot of my camera gear and my music gear 
trying to get rid of like redundancies. I'm actually trying to pay off some bills. So I'm trying to like figure out like what I need for my hobbies, what I actually need that I need that I use and actually need and not be so much a collector and more of a user. And um, the reason why is it's an interesting year for me uh, this September. You know, I work for Ford Motor Company and I'm represented by the United Auto Workers, the UAW here in the United States. And this September, our contract is up. So we're going to have contract negotiations. And we have a new uh, leader of the UAW, and he's taking a very uh, strong stance that he wants to get back some of the things that us workers gave up to save uh, the auto industry back when it was having troubles. And we gave up a, we gave up a lot of concessions to keep the companies afloat. Well, now those companies are doing better, and we want to get some of those things back. Rightly so. As workers, we should get those things back that we gave up to save their ass. And so uh, we want to, you know, get those things back. So there's a, there's a, there's a very likelihood uh, in, in my 24 years at Ford, I never really saw this uh, as really probably going to happen. But this time I, I do feel like a strike could happen. And if I, if I go on strike, I need to make sure my bills are in order <laughs> because I'm going to be making a lot less money on strike while we try to you know get back what we gave up years ago to try to save the auto companies back when they were when they were in in trouble and we did that we did those things and the auto companies are making money now and we want those things back and i think uh this might be of all the contracts i've been through in my career at, at ford uh, this might be the one where there might be a strike so uh, basically just trying to get my ducks in order trying to make sure i have some bills paid up uh get a little ahead of the game maybe have some savings to in case in case there is a strike so I'm going through these things uh, that I need to sell. Now, one thing that I've done throughout the years is stored things that I wasn't necessarily using in these boxes that I think uh, this is why I want to do this episode, because I think if you don't know about these, you should, because it's a very good storage uh, solution. Uh, they're called ammo cans. And the first one I ever bought was from a military surplus store um, here in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And they used to have, man, we used to have military surplus stores all over the place. There used to be one right outside my neighborhood. Uh, they seem to not be as many around. I'm sure we still have some here in Louisville. But um, anyway, these little ammo cans are like metal. Uh, they're obviously painted olive drab color at as the military would. And they're actually meant to keep the ammo fresh, keep, uh, keep, it away, keep the ammo away from moisture and all that stuff. And uh, the nice thing about these cans are like... Uh, I mean, first of all, they're they're metal and they're made for military use and they're rugged. <laughs> they're about 12 by 8 by 7 or so. I don't know. Look online. Just look up ammo can uh, on Google. If you, Amazon sells them, uh, all that stuff. But the nice thing about these ammo cans is if you open them up, there's like a rubber uh, gasket on the inside of the of the uh, the top of the the box. And once you close it up, this thing is actually, these boxes are actually kind of airtight. They're waterproof and it's just a great thing to store things in. So the reason I got to think about this is I was going through all my guitar pedals and I have like probably like 50 guitar pedals and I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to keep. And then I probably have like a hundred cameras. I have cameras in some of these things. Um, and I got to thinking, I was like, this is, these things really are great storage units because the fact that they are, once you close them up, they're kind of airtight and waterproof. Um, like take lenses, for example. 
you know, people worry about like uh, lenses they're not using, just putting them in a cupboard or whatever. Uh, like you can fungus in the lenses, fungus growing, whatever. But if you was to put your lenses in one of these ammo boxes, maybe throw in some silica packs um, to keep the, uh, the, you know, keep the, uh, the moisture out. Once you close that box up with some silica packs in it, um, there's not gonna really be any moisture or air getting in, in there. So you could theoretically uh, be a good way to store lenses, good way to store cameras. Uh, I found it as a great way to store, you know, guitar pedals, all sorts of things. But I think that these things are somewhat overlooked. If you have a military surplus store in your town, definitely go check them out. I have one that I got from a military surplus store. They're, they seem to be a little bigger uh, than the ones you can buy online. Uh, Amazon has them. Um, and uh, if you're in the United States, you can go to the, the store that we've talked about many times. <laughs> Harbor Freight actually sells them as well. I think they're, I don't know, 12 to 15 bucks, depending on if they're on sale or not for one of these things. And yes, just Google search an ammo can. They're usually olive green. You can get like plastic ones and all that stuff, but I like the better ones, you know, and uh, with the little gasket around the, the lid. And when you close them things up, throw some silica pad, uh, silica gel packets in there. Uh, that thing is going to be uh, pretty airtight and watertight. And you shouldn't have, uh, should be a good way for like long term, long term storage of like lenses or cameras bodies or, or whatever you, you may want to put in those things i just uh i don't know that i've ever talked about this on a podcast i don't know if i've ever heard any other podcast talking about this but uh, it seems to be a really effective and safe solution for long-term storage of things to kind of uh keep humidity and uh such things from from causing problems with things that maybe you don't use that often but you know you want it to be good when you do use it so that's my uh as a whole reason for doing this episode i just want to if y'all don't know about these things ammo cans they're like green rectangles olive green rectangles they smell like uh military paint i i, I imagine it's what the inside of a tank smells like uh, <laughs> so but uh yeah check them out uh you can, you can even go to harborfreight.com look up just type in ammo can you'll see what i'm talking about amazon has them or definitely if you have a military surplus store in your in your area uh, check them out because those seem to be a little bigger than the ones you can get uh, from the, uh, the the Amazon or Harbor Freight or or online or whatever. And obviously, being uh, made to military spec, probably they may maybe they're even made a little better. I don't know. I really can't tell the difference. I have one U.S. military surplus one, and I have like four ones I bought from Harbor Freight, and they all seem to be functioning just the same. The Harbor Freight ones are just a little smaller. But uh, uh, yeah, just if you're looking for a long-term storage solution uh, that where maybe humidity, atmosphere, uh, moisture is not, uh, uh, shouldn't be too big of a concern, these ammo cans, perfect. And uh, there you go. That's my uh, that's Mike's hot tip for uh, this episode. I, I, I realized as I was going through these pedals that I have in these cans, I was like, I don't think I've ever mentioned these things. These are great storage solutions. And uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, check them out. All right, folks, I think I'm going to get on out of here. And uh, I'm actually going to put out another episode probably in a couple of days. I have uh, I'm getting a little I'm getting a little backlog here and I love it. Uh, I have a, an episode from Kooks that put, he put together. I have an episode from Andre he put together. I have three more episodes of the old camera guy podcast from mr dave mahali so i'm probably going to put out another one in a couple of days and then probably do one once a week until we kind of run out of some content and uh, and then I'm, I'm waiting for you all you fine folks uh, other than the people i mentioned here just now i'm waiting for you fine folks to 
uh, you know, take over this podcast. Uh, it's really simple. I'm literally letting anybody in the community have their own episode on negative pauses by simply uh, recording anything about your film journey and uh, send us the audio and you'll have your very own episode here on negative pauses. I, I will gladly put it out. And, uh, you know, it, it can be something simple. Like you can literally just introduce yourself to the community, uh, who you are, where you live at, uh, how you got into photography, what you like to shoot, what your favorite films and cameras are, all that stuff. You can put that in a little episode, a little introduction to yourself, and uh, I'll throw it together as an episode, and we'll put it out here on Negative Positives. That's something that we're wanting to do with this new uh, format. And uh, I also plan on doing more of these sort of like solo show things uh, when I get inspired. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's just uh, a, a, something, something we're trying to... Uh, Kind of just keep the thing fresh, right? And keep me motivated as well. That's important. So, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and, and another thing we're doing is we're putting all the socials at the end in the in the in the music in the the ending music, so you don't have to hear us say all the socials every every damn episode. So, uh, so then that means all I got to say now is, hey, we'll talk to you all soon. Everybody, stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Thank you for listening to me ramble on this episode of the Negative Positives Podcast. I am Mike Gutterman. You can check out my photography on Instagram at guttermanphoto. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. That is N-E-G positives at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. We also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives. You can support this program on Coffee. That is ko-fi.com slash negative positives. And you can get my music at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. A Gutter Man Cave Production!